there are two types of birders. Those who have seen the African pitta and those who want to see it. For those who haven't yet witnessed the holy grail of African birding, prepare for some jealousy during this episode. I'll be chatting with people who have been lucky enough to encounter this iconic species. One of my guests is Mackenzie Zorotto, based in the African pitta camp Masoko in Zimbabwe. Additionally, We'll hear full stories from birders about the experiences spotting the special species. I can't wait for you to listen to this episode. My name is Adam, and I'm the host of this proudly South African birding podcast. This podcast is your number one source of news about birds, birders, destinations, conservation, gear, books, and anything that we think birders would want to hear about. Bring your life to your garden with Westerman's Wild Bird Seed a delicious seed mix attracting a variety of wild birds to your garden. Find it at various pet and lifestyle retailers across South Africa, online and in-store. Westermans, for the love of birds. Let's dive into this week's episode. Please note, this episode was recorded in November of last year, which is why people will be referring to a trip coming up in December. So I'm chatting to Mackenzie Zorota, who is a Zimbabwe bird guide, and he is based at the African Pitta Camp in Masoka. So I'm really excited to chat to Mackenzie and just to hear about his story and hear all about the special bird and what this amazing camp offers. I've heard just, just before I even talk to Mackenzie, there's been so many people over the last couple of weeks when we've heard stories about pittas. This is the camp where they've seen them. So I'm excited to hear all about this. I said to Mackenzie before we started, I promise you this is going to be an episode. I'm going to be super jealous. This is probably my number one bird I want to see. So Mackenzie, welcome to the Bird Enough podcast. It's so good to have you with us. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for inviting me. It's always great because I get to talk to my to someone from my country of birth. Uh, saying to you before, I was born in Zimbabwe, in Mutari, it was called Imtali those days, that's how long ago it was, moved to South Africa when I was, I think, five years old, so it's always great, and I always, it's it's a dream country, I've only been back, I think, once, so it's definitely, and I've never birded in Zimbabwe, so I have to come back, and you know, like, I think once you, you know, if you were born in Zimbabwe, there's there's always a connection, and, and, and hearing the stories about the friendly people, I mean, it's it must be one of the most beautiful countries on earth yeah for sure for sure uh one of the days we will come back and uh enjoy zimbabwe we are beautiful people and we are really good on connections you know yeah it's good to come back and see how zimbabwe goes so mackenzie we're going to talk all about the pit and i'm going to hear stories about the pit and you'll make all the all the listeners very jealous unless they've seen a pit already but before we get into the episode I would love to hear your story. You know, tell us about where you grew up. Tell us, and how did you get in? How did you, how did your love for birds start? Because was there a time where, where something happened that, that got you to love birds? Tell us a little bit about your story. Um, I was born and bred in Zimbabwe, uh, in Masoka village. That's where I was born and raised. Uh, all my parents lived here and uh, it's a, in a remote area with wildlife. It's not a, uh, very close to town, but it's a very remote area, 290 kilometers from Harare. And my par- my parents were involved in camphor projects, especially my dad. So he inspired me very well to get into wildlife um, programs. Um, I finished my school, my secondary level in 2005. Then from there, I met uh, Jonathan Francis and Gary Douglas. 
those are the bedders uh, guys in Zimbabwe. Uh, they were they came to look for the peters and other birds. Then I joined them uh, because I had a passion before that. So I joined them and um, we spent quite a few weeks with them. Then from there, I started enjoying my bedding with my friends, trying to someone like scouts, the game scouts were escorting me when I was going out. Um, just look after the wildlife, uh, like elephants and buffaloes. But I was just, uh, that's how I started. And then, because I wanted bedding very much. And then 2006, in 2006, that's when I saw the Peter, my first Peter, African Peter. That was in 18 December, 2006. Yeah, from then, I messaged Jonathan Francis and they said, ah, Mackenzie, when I just bring people to Masoka camp. Then from there, that's when... Uh, my dreams come true because they were just bring people, bring people. Then from there, I was said, ah, I'm in the right position now. Yeah, then from there, this Masoka camp was under community. And the community abandoned this camp and they wanted to, to make it a bar, a public bar, you know. And uh, my father was in control of that, but people wanted to push him to go into putting that camp into a bar, public bar. And then I said to my dad, no. Because I'm a near royal family as well. So I said to my uncle, he's a chief. Uncle, I want to take over this camp. And they all agreed. And they said, all right, Mackenzie, take over this camp. It's yours. And start doing your bedding. Then I said, that's my vision. I want to to carry on as a bedding uh, camp, not as a public bar, as you were mentioning. So then I took it over from there, from 2011 up to date. So, yeah, from then I started to get people quite few people from South Africa, all over, quite few Americans, quite few uh, Germans, you know. Yeah, that's how I started. But 2011, that's when I started uh, with the help of Tisha Grayling. There's another lady called Tisha Grayling. She's in South Africa in Pretoria. Yeah, she's the lady who, who helped me a lot. Mackenzie, what I love about the what I love about the story having a, having to have a chat to you, and this is why I was excited to talk to you as opposed to one of the big guides in Zimbabwe, and they they're doing a great job. But I love the fact that this is a this is a camp that is not just run by some big American corporation or big South African corporation, but this is a a camp that is run by a, a local person from the village. And I just think the story around it is so amazing. I mean, this is. This is this is the power of birds. I mean, what what you know, we we talk about in South Africa. We always talk about AV tourism. You know, tourism that comes from birds, and this is exactly the importance of it. It's it's literally this the species which is so iconic, which is the the holy grail of birding in Africa, one of the most sought after species in the world. Sounds like I'm doing a boxing presentation, but the and and literally this bird here has has allowed you to to feed your family and that's like really amazing i just love that i love that story the fact that this is a, 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 and i think this is also why it goes back to why conservation is so important i think conservation conserving birds is so important because it actually it actually provides livelihood for people yes thank you yeah they really really uh that's how the camps look like and yeah that's what i'm doing and uh yeah people are now seeing the 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 the, 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 the progress of what i've been doing what i've been thinking and uh yeah, yeah, it's still going on, and uh, uh, that was my, my my hope. One day I'll I'll run this camp, and one day I'll do this. 
I was too very young when I was too grade five. I wanted to say I want to just get into this tourism industry bedding. Yeah. So that's where I'm now. That's fantastic. You followed your dream and you made it reality. I love that. So uh, I think most people who listen to the show who are birders would have would would know exactly what a pitta looks like. But I want you to to the best of your ability, and I know it's very hard to explain this on a podcast, but tell me tell 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 the listeners about this this special iconic species what makes an african pitta so special why should people travel from all around the world to see this bird um you know these birds they're not many as the other birds like like other stalks and something like that uh these african pitas they are very few and they just come come all the way from where they are and come to this far end uh, for breeding purposes, and uh, we have the riverine thickets, which suits their their habits, which suits their habitats, uh, which suits their uh, their situations where they have a lot of beetles to feed on, worms to feed on. So you know, very few places in Zimbabwe, um, especially in this northern part of Zimbabwe, that's where we get these uh, African peters. People, the they are all always very, very happy and um, very eager to come and see this bird because it's only on the northern part of Zimbabwe, very far end of Zimbabwean part. So for them, uh, it's a good uh, experience because you can't just go everywhere and find them. They have their certain spot where they come every year to breed and left around March somewhere there. Uh, uh, like the latest, um, the latest departure, they left uh, on the seventh of April. That was two years ago. So it's quite interesting for people to come and see uh, when they come, when they arrive, and then when they go. So they want to know how exactly these birds travel. You know, so people they were saying, and they they are still saying. We just want to come and see, is it true that these birds come to that party and how does it survive? And um, they want to see the how the, to see the displays of these birds because when they are calling, when they are mating, they have certain of um, display kind of display they do, you know. In the first week of December, that's when they start calling a lot. They will be attracting the mates. Then second week, they will be mating. And uh, the the display by itself, they will be jumping a meter up and down. As they go down, they call. So it's quite interesting to see that. And um, in that second week of December as well, that's when you can see them carrying sticks, dried sticks, dried leaves, carrying them to their favorite spot uh, to put a nest. Uh, like uh, the uh, they like this. Uh, uh, acacia trees like acacia nigrescens or woolly caper bushes that's where they like to put their nests so it's quite interesting to people to see all this experience to to, 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 to see how they met how do they care so most of the people I met they were saying we just want to see how do they do this how do they do this you, you know that's what uh, people were saying to me uh we, that's why we're coming all the way from 
South Africa from England coming here. We just want to see, is it true this bird survives this way? It does this, it does that. So they come and uh, they experience the, 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 the uh, and they enjoy the Peter. So you talk about the the time of the year. What what is it? Is it normally like the rainy season? When do they start coming back? Uh, you know, when do you start seeing them back in the camp? In terms of, um, is it rains and that type of thing? Uh, these Peters they normally come. They normally come the first, uh, the second week, in fact, of um, November. They come second week of November, like uh, this year. We saw them on the 8th of uh, November. Then last year, they were a little bit late, like 11th or 12th, somewhere there. So it all depends. But now, it rained once in October, but it wasn't much. But these birds, they just arrived in a dry land like this, and they're still around. They are not calling yet. I had one call. Then I tried to follow. I didn't find them. Then the next day, I found them. They're just foraging. So you see, uh, they are just they are just arrived in the second week of uh, November, to be specific. Second week of November, they arrive. And now I've seen pictures of people uh, watching the pitters, and it seems that they all sit and they wait for these pitters to come out. So, if if somebody comes and they 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 they, they come to the camp to see the pitter, the pitters have arrived, and they want to photograph them and see the pitters. What does that experience look like? What what do you what what do you do? So if I'm in the morning and say this morning we're gonna go and see African pitters, what do we do to see the pitters? How do you set your guests up to experience and get photos of, of pitters? Okay. Well a very good question. Um what I normally do, uh the best time to see these pitters um is in the early morning and late afternoon. So normally what we do we get up in the morning, then I'll, I'll explain to my guests that um, please get prepared, your binoculars, your your cameras, be ready because we are going to find this bed. It's not an easy thing. Sometimes it's very hard, but we end up getting it. So be ready each time. So we go out and as we go out, we'll be just walking it through the bush, through the canopy of trees was in those areas where I go bedding, whether these peters, it's a canopy, a lot of big mahogany's, combretum, so we'll be walking through canopy trees. So we'll be just walking quietly. We walk quietly and sometimes we sit down and listen. If we if we hear the peter calling, we know that this peter is definitely on the tree, definitely perched. So when peter calling, they'll be jumping into the trees in a certain certain bush so we walk up to it quietly and that's it's very easy to see them whilst they are calling because they will be just concentrating on calling on calling so we we try to move faster so that we get there and we can just get maybe up to five meters so we get there as quick as, as fast as we can then we sit down we sit down then uh, people start to take photos when they are not calling. It's not an it's an it's not an issue. That's my job. We just walk quietly. I know where they are, and we will be just checking each and every inch of the bush. I know where they will be. So, as we as we will be walking, I will be just telling my guests to come behind me, and then when I see the Peters, I will just let them come forward so that as they come forward, 
I'll let them to 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 sit down so that they can have a better angle to take pictures because mostly when they are not calling they will be feeding on the ground so they will be feeding on the ground so they need to sit down um yeah mostly to sit down so that we will be walking very slowly sit down that's that's how we do so but it needs a lot of patience it needs a lot of patience it's not um in a minute, we've got the Peter. No, it's a it's a it's a way of patience. If we have patience, then we get the Peters. That's how we do. But definitely, at the end of the day, we get the beds. We get what we need, and um, people they get their trophy media. Uh, what can I say? The the, the 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 media trophy, the pictures of the Peter. So that's the that the story behind the Peters. So it's patience. Patience, patience. That's what we do. We're going to get back to the chat with Hamilton in a moment. But as I said earlier, we are going to share stories of four birders that have got to see the African pit. So I asked them to send me a WhatsApp message, a voice note, and they sent me a message telling me their story of seeing this iconic African species. So we're going to start with my good friend and South Africa's leading bird photographer, Richard Flack. Hey Adam, it's uh, Richard Flack here. Yeah, one of my most uh, just incredible burning moments was uh, with African pitta uh, in Mozambique. Um, I've been asked by John Robertson to write an article on African pitta um, to market Kotada's 11 and just the incredible experience you get to have with them in um, the lowland forest there. I was obviously very daunted by the task as, um, yeah, they're very difficult birds to photograph. And uh, leading up to my trip, I think it was about, yeah, two weeks of no pitta sightings. And then miraculously, the day before I arrived, they got the first sighting of an African pitta. Amazingly, we found it the next day. It was myself and Malcolm and Gail Gemmel and John Robinson. And uh, yeah, just the most incredible experience. Uh, first day I managed to get uh, portrait shots, uh, which uh, we're able to use for the magazine. And um, then, yeah, I think after two days with the bird, others wanted to go and experience the incredible Mayombo burning there. And I asked uh, John just to drop me off in the lowland forest. And as I walked um, up the path to where I knew the African pitta was spending time, I just noticed him foraging on the ground and because um, I'd spent time with him I just decided to sit in the path and um, yeah just the most phenomenal birding moment he, he jumped onto a small branch which allowed me to get a habitat shot of him and then he made his way into the canopy and did his incredible display flight <laughs> pretty much above my head and uh, yeah I mean being alone in lowland forest with an African pitta will, will go down as one of my most yeah, I guess emotive and just incredible moments. So, um, yeah, that's the story, and uh, thanks for letting me share it. Hi, my name is Mark Nicholson, and this is my African pitta story. Yeah, just a quick story you were asking for about my African pitta sighting in Kizigo East in Tanzania. So we were actually sitting in the dining room area, and I heard this call that I've never heard before. And obviously, being quite a keen birder, I immediately went in the direction I heard the call coming from. And there was a dry riverbed, dry riverbed between myself and where the call was coming from. So I hopped into the riverbed and um, with my binos and yeah, stalked slowly closer to where the call was coming from. And then to my absolute amazement and shock, 
there was an African pitta um, in the low-lying branches of a of a tree, and he was the the source for this incredible sound. And then I spent some time just sitting in the riverbed watching him do his little dance, jumping up and down, doing his call. And below him, I saw more movement, and then it was either a female or another male. I didn't get a good look at the second bird because it kept moving around under the calling bird. And, yeah, I spent probably a good 10, 15 minutes just just watching this African pitter go about his his thing and it was yeah it was really incredible and this is the only time in my in my life of 40 years that that I've seen an African pitter so yeah I was was absolutely blown away about how amazing and how beautiful the birds the birds are so thanks to the birding life my name's Rob Cliff and here's my pitter story uh, it was November last year and a very late last minute decision because of a cancellation um, was made by me in the gym one morning and two weeks later I was off to Zim with my wife um, and a huge bit of build-up in, in terms of building up the tension and the excitement of seeing this unbelievable bird that we've all kind of you know looked at on covers of bird books etc and two days later after leaving SA we arrived in Pitta camp spent the afternoon looking for a Pitta late afternoon at the first spot nothing um, and went to bed that night with a bit of a heavy heart but the next morning um, yeah, we arrived at a spot and immediately heard the bird calling. Um, and that rush of adrenaline was just yeah, something that all birders, I think, are addicted to. Um, despite the dangerous game, buffalo, elephant, lion, off we went with Derek Adams, who really does know these birds exceptionally well, and got distant views of a pitta. I just managed to get it in my bins, um, but jeepers, I, I wanted more. And the thing with this bird that I found is you've got to sit and wait, so Derek kind of sets up a little spot and you sit motionless and, and wait for the bird to come in, which they definitely do do. They actually get very, very close. So that bird came and showed well, got super photos. Um, and eventually over the next couple of days, yeah, we heard at least 15, saw at least eight. And the best experience of all was the last bird we saw, which came so close that I could barely focus on it. Um, with my camera and it just did this amazing you know show for us where it called did that amazing call hopped around unobscured um, for at least an hour and we just kind of sat and and you know watched the bird for for such a long time that yeah it's not often you get to leave a sighting very very satisfied but that certainly was one so yep those ambizi if the conditions are right if you have a guide that obviously knows all the spots, um, they're actually quite common. So anyone that wants to make the pilgrimage to, to see the pitta, I can't recommend it highly enough. It's an experience um, that any bird I think will really enjoy. Plus there's all the bonus stuff. Livingston's flycatcher, um, you know, all the low Zambezi birds, Lillian's lovebird, uh, Western banded snake eagle, etc., etc. Um, yeah, it's just an absolute treat. So go for it. Hi Adam, this is Damien from Zambia. So the first time I saw African pitta was a trip I took specifically to look for them in Zimbabwe. We went to the Masoka village area in the Zimbizi Valley and we saw several pairs. Um, I didn't manage to get any excellent photographs but I was kind of new to photography then and I found the birds quite skittish. Um, and difficult to actually get good sightings of. 
And then fast forward several years, I tried to look for them briefly in an IBA called Mutlanganga, which is not far from Chirundu, but on the Zambian side of the Zambezi River. Um, we definitely heard them, and I think I caught a few glimpses, but, but largely an unsuccessful trip. <clears throat> it was specifically to try and photograph them, and uh, no luck. Then fast forward again another couple of years, and I was invited to attend a mountain biking function in some mountains called the Rufunsa Mountains, close to a little town called Mpancha, which is about 200 kilometers east of Lusaka. And this was mid-November, 15th of November. And so I joined, and there was quite a large group of people there, and it's a new at the time, it was a new community campsite and tourism development in the area because there's really scenic mountains there. And uh, I got in quite late, so I put up my tent in the dark and just went to bed. And the next morning at about half past four, as often the case is when you fart in the bush, all the birds calling and all the sounds of nature wake you up. And um, I was lying in my sleeping bag and I remember hearing a brrrt. And I sort of didn't quite register, and I thought, no, nah, it can't be. And uh, I rolled over and tried to get some more sleep. And five minutes later, brrrp. And uh, that was enough. Now now I was like, okay, no, 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 this, this, I know what this is. I have to get out of bed now. And it was quite light already, maybe quarter past five. So I jump out, get my binos, get my camera, and off I go for a walk uh, just down the road. Because, I mean, it, it, it was... It was you know, it was now half past five and quite light. And immediately I realized it's excellent, excellent habitat. Um, the campsite is in a valley, um, quite a narrow valley, not more than 100 meters at some points. But um, classic pit habitat, lots of thick thickets and um, thick bush around. And the campsite is, is really well placed in some big shady trees with lots of scattered clumps of thicket around. And just tents everywhere, just just land cruisers and tents. And, and I mean, there must have been over 100 people camping there. And uh, I, yeah, I hadn't gone 20 meters from my tent. And again, bitter call. So I just stayed still. And I'm like on the edge of the group of campers. And uh, didn't take more than a couple of minutes. And the, a, a pitter just flew right past me and, and into some a little clearing under some big trees and just started feeding and uh, couldn't believe it. So I um, I was like, okay, well, I'm so close to my to my uh, tent. I don't need to um, go far. So I went back, took off my hat, took off uh, my binoculars and just went with my camera. And I have a, a Sigma 600 um, millimeter st- um, zoom lens, the, the common one. And... Um, I managed to get some okay photos. I wasn't really happy with them. And I spent the next hour walking around everybody's tent with a 600mm lens trying to like hide in the bushes. And I think everyone was a bit concerned at one point. <laughs> and so I realized after the first uh, couple stuck their head out of their tent and asked what was going on to, you know, there's me with, with, with this massive zoom lens, you know, t- trying to aim between tents. It, it probably looked highly suspicious. And so I realized, okay, and then it was time to get ready. People were getting their, their, their bikes ready. And so I gave up, and we had the bike ride. And that afternoon, I went for another walk. I heard them, never saw them. 
And then the next morning I thought, right, now we must make a real effort. Most people were leaving that day. Sunday morning we took a walk and just pitters everywhere. I couldn't believe it. Um, Pell's fishing owl up in one of the big trees. Um, there isn't much water nearby, so it was interesting. And uh, just amazing. And I also had a long drive, so I left um, with everybody else and um, made immediate plans to come back. So about a month later, I was able to come back with a couple of my friends. And those are the photographs which are on my Instagram page. And that was mid-December. And I mean, just incredible. I reckon there were three or four pairs of pitter all around the campsite uh, in the long valley so maybe around the campsite not correct but within the valley I uh, estimated three or four pairs and um, the one furthest from the campsite as the the valley disappears into a sort of gorge going into the mountains um, was was one particularly sort of tame uh, pair and that's the one we spent a long time photographing um, and I'm actually not sure if my friend Mtumbi Goma um, who does have an Instagram page, but he's not very active there. He's definitely posted them on his Facebook page, and he also got incredible photographs. So, yeah, um, for me, that was by far the most amazing African pitter experience, and I'm actually planning to go back um, in about three weeks from now, end of November. I'm getting a few friends together, and we're going to go back and just see if we can get even better photographs so it's a really amazing place there's no accommodation other than camping but there is hot showers and a little ablution center and you can drive into the nearest town which is about 10 k's away um, and there is a reasonably good little bed and breakfast type um, lodge on the edge of town and uh, quite a few people actually often stay there when they come and visit the area so yeah that's my little story about african pitters as always, the Burning Life is proud to be associated with Sarofsky Optic, one of the world's leading producers of binoculars, monoculars, and spotting scopes, as well as the Bird Lasser bird logging app. Spot, plot, play a part. Download and install the app to play your part in social conservation. One of the ways that you can help us to keep putting out the content that we are releasing is by supporting our online shop. We sell optics, books, Westerman's products, and a whole lot more. Check out the shop on our website, www.thebirdinglife.com. If you need any help with any of the products, please don't hesitate to email us on info at thebirdinglife.com. When people come stay at the African Pitta camp, is the guiding included? Do they have to pay extra for guiding? Or is the, is you as the resident guide, is that included in the price? Okay, we have two type, uh, rates in camp. We have uh, full board catering, where we cater for guests. Uh, this will include all transfers from Harare, uh, bedding, uh, guiding in the per day, all inclusive, um, council and community levy, all inclusive. So that's for uh, for catering. For self-catering, we have the accommodation rates aside and then plus extra guiding fees. So we have two different And the good thing is that you're on the camp and that makes it nice. You know, the thing is, it's not you, you're there every day with these birds. And I think that is the nice thing. You know, you, you, you're renting a community, a, a guard that's literally there all the time. And I think that is what's nice. So uh, that's what I think was one of the winners. But I think before we, we carry on chatting, I think the other thing that we, we what I was quite interested in is obviously it's known as the African Pitta Camp and, 
you know, people would generally go there for the pizza. But I mean, I was looking at the the resident species. It's like uh, on its chat, Lillian's lovebirds and Beezy indigo bird, uh, malted spantail, uh, Bowman's spantail, orange wing petillia, great spotted cuckoo, thick billed cuckoo. And this is a mega one, pennant winged nightjar. I mean, you've got an insane amount of species. So even if, even if once you've seen the pitta, there's so many other birds to see. It's like amazing birding. Really, really. We have lots of amazing birds. We have, um, in January, I have a specific two different places with bad long-tailed cuckoo in January. So we have very, very good uh, sightings of uh, um, bad long-tailed cuckoo. Unfortunately, I had no camera uh, for the past two years, but now I've got one. So I'm going to uh, to post one of those uh, bad long-tailed cuckoo. It was very, very rare, but I have them here. That's so nice. And that's, so I think, I think as we're talking about this, uh, you know, obviously – because it's called the African Pitta Camp, people think just to, to, people just think just to go there to see the African Pitta. But there's, I mean, at the times when the Pitta's aren't around, it's still worth visiting you guys because there's so many different species that you can get at different times of the year, not just when the not just in Pitta season. Yeah, yeah, for sure. We have quite a lot of uh, birds: Western Bedded Snake Eagle, Three Bended Corsa, um, Racketoed Roller, Livingstone's Flycatcher. So let's just talk about the camp now. So you you are um, situated, like you said, the closest city is Zimbabwe. So people want to fly in. Oh, um, Zimbabwe is Harare. People would fly into Harare. Um, the the thing which uh, I actually had someone just flew quite recently. So if you're listening to this episode in November, December 2023, uh, I had someone who flew up to Zimbabwe to Harare quite recently. And they said the, the flights are actually quite reasonable at the moment. So I think that's one thing that's quite cool. And if you are looking to do a pizza trip, it's maybe a good time to do it when the flight pri- uh, the flight tickets aren't that aren't that costly. But tell us about the camp and yeah, just about in terms of what facilities do you have? How many people can stay at the camp? Uh, yeah, tell us a little bit about the camp. Yeah, uh, we have three big chalets which accommodates uh, two people in each room. So the camp accommodates six people at a time. That's uh, how the camp looks like. Uh, we have single beds, but if people have once double beds, we can always make a plan. We have uh, showers, flushing toilets, all the, the lights. We have solar lights in camp, not Zesa. Uh, we have solar lights in camp. We have facility for the people to charge their cameras, the phones. Um, we have a big kitchen where for those soft, soft catering guys, they can cook. They can prepare their food. We have the cutlery. We provide them with the cutlery. Whatever they want, they can use the kitchen. If they want to use our, our chef, they can hire him for $10 a day. They can use him. It's, it's all good. Um, then we have a big dining area for about 10 people. They can sit in, a, in the dining area. It's a quite. Uh, it's not a quite big uh, uh, dining, but accommodates around 10 people. Uh, the camp itself, it's not a fancy camp. Uh, it's a bit rustic, but very good. That's all, all about the camp. It's just along uh, Angwa River, just along Angwa River, facing uh, one of the safari areas, Chiwari safari area, just across the river. 
So Mackenzie, people have heard all about this. They've heard about the birds, the camp, and they've heard about the friendly people in Zimbabwe. And they say, now we want to come. We want to visit. We want to see pitters. Maybe they come in the off season. They hear this next year and they decide to come. Uh, what is the easiest way to get in touch with, with you so they can to book? Um, the easiest way to get in touch with me is via WhatsApp or email. I have good connection of internet at my house. Uh, so, yeah, without Zesa problem, I'm always available. And uh, But, yeah, whenever the Zesa is gone, but I can use the solar system to to get on my internet working. So, on WhatsApp, I have my WhatsApp number and email address. So, I'll be available on those platforms. What is your um, email address? Just so if somebody's listening to this and they, they, they don't click on the link, what is the email address? My uh, my email address is mackenziezirota at gmail.com. Mackenziezirota at gmail.com. M-A-C-K-E-N-Z-I-E-Z-I-R-O-T-A at gmail.com. Yes. And my phone number is plus 263-779-807. That's for WhatsApp. Mackenzie, it's been super awesome to chat to you. And I'm looking forward to uh, make planning a trip to come up and see maybe next year. I'll come up and see you. Come get some African pitters. There's a whole lot of birds. I'll come with my list and would love to come up there and spend some time with you and see the birds that you guys have got there. I'm um, not just the pitter, but everything else. And and not just, I think for me, not just experience the, what the, the campus to offer, but just experience the beauty of the country that you find yourself in. So I'm looking forward to coming. Thanks, Mackenzie, for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. Thank you very much for having me on board. Thank you very much. I really appreciate that. Um, thank you very much. And one day we'll, we'll meet, and uh, I hope so. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this week's show. We really appreciate your support. If you have any comments or feedback on any of the episodes, feel free to drop us an email on info at theburninglife.com or send us a message on any of our social media platforms. We would love to get to know you better. So until next time, be blessed and happy birding.